0: Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at celebrationedm. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. You know, I find myself often saying the words, I just don't have enough time. Have you ever said that? And you say like, ah, oh, you know, I would, I would do this I just don't have enough time. You know, I would tackle that project. I just don't have the time. My guess is that most of us would say this phrase a few times a day. Yet we always make time for what's important to us, don't we? But how do we know what to prioritize? You know, often I find myself coming into a day off or a few days off with these plans on all the things I'm going to get done. I'm, I, I got these to-do lists in my head and I write them down. This is the stuff I'm going to get done. And obviously, it feels great to get stuff done. I love it when there's tasks that have been stressing me out or bothering me around my house or, or, or whatever on our cars. I love getting stuff done. It feels so good. But If we're not careful, we start to slip into a pattern in our lives that can quickly lead to us burning out and not enjoying the wonderful life that God has designed for us. See, we were designed to be human beings, yet we often become human doings. We're just focused on what we're doing, not on who we are being. And I find that the lie that we buy into is I don't have enough time to slow down. I just, I don't have enough time to relax and focus on those things, on, on, on how, what, who I'm going to be that day. I got so much stuff to do that day. We tell ourselves, I'll sleep when I'm dead, okay? I got stuff to do today. And what happens is when we're doing nothing productive, like when we're not doing something, when we're, we're not doing something productive, it leaves us feeling vulnerable. And so the message I find that we pick up over time is that you are what you accomplish. You are what you accomplish. And you find yourself finding all your meaning in what you do. Your value becomes in what you do. And you know, I I find this, that when we're meeting someone, We often start our conversation and getting to know them by what do you do, right? Hey, what do you do? I mean, it would be an awkward question to ask someone, hey, who are you? Like, I don't... (laughs) If somebody asked me who I was, I'd be like, I need to talk to somebody else right now. I don't want to have this conversation. But it's funny that we're so focused on, oh, what do you do? Yet there's so much more to us than what we do. And so... You know, in, in this idea of, well, you know, there's, there's so much to do. It's kind of like, why bother resting at all? Life is so short. We got so much to get done. Why bother resting? Like, that seems like a waste of time. I don't know about you, but that's how I often feel is rest feels like a waste of time. I want to read from you. Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, uh, 11, 28 to 30 this morning, or whenever you're taking this in. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think the key to this verse is in the first three words, come to me. That often our our lives, we get so busy with what we're doing and Jesus gives us an instruction, come to me. Your burden might be heavy on your own, but God's isn't. And he still says there's a burden on our lives. There's still work to be done. There's still stuff we're, we're going to do. But when we yoke ourselves together with Jesus, that burden is light. He doesn't promise us an easy life. He promises that when we are obedient to him by yoking ourselves together with him, we'll find that our burdens in life will actually become lighter, that life could become lighter. You know, Jesus modeled for us a rhythm of rest, a rhythm of rest, which we talk about, you know, going and reaching people and all this stuff that the Bible um, empowers us to do and and be, you know, take ground for Jesus and be powerful people. But actually Jesus also modeled for us a rhythm of rest. All through the gospels, we see this in Luke um, 5, 16. I just want to point out a few examples. There's actually much more examples than this, but let me just point out some of the rhythms that Jesus showed us. Luke chapter 15, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. He withdrew. He pulled away from people. And actually before this, in verses 12 to 15, if you you read the scripture, Jesus goes and he heals a leper and it, that's work to Jesus. Like that's, that was his job. You're in you're my job. You know, we go to our office or we go to our um, warehouse or we go to our shop or we go build houses, whatever we do. We go to our job nine to five. Jesus' job, he was around preaching, healing people and all that kind of stuff. So he goes and he does work and then he withdraws to recharge. And these, these crowds, they, they gather, they want to hear him speak and, and Jesus does this, but then he goes and he with, withdraws. Again, Mark chapter three, verse seven, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake and a large crowd from Galilee followed. So again, right before this verse, Mark three, seven, uh, Jesus does this miracle and then he withdraws again, but a large crowd follows him. An important thing to note here is that he's trying to withdraw, but people are not allowing him to do that. Jesus needed alone time, but people were not interested in giving Jesus what he needed. Can I tell you this? That as you start to um, strive after this idea of rest, this is the nature of people is they're not going to give you what you need. You have to go and get it for yourself. And if that's the case for Jesus, I'm telling you that's the case for your life as well. Sometimes we feel that the people in our lives should know what we need and just give it to us. Yet they don't give it to us sometimes, don't they? And that's why we must prioritize it for ourselves. Even Jesus, he was trying to get this rest. He was trying to withdraw. He knew he needed that, but people weren't willing to give that to him. I'll tell you what, if you have children, you know what I'm talking about right now. You need that rest. You need to withdraw at times. And you need to just sort of pull back a bit Yet, so often, people are not willing to give that to you. And that's why you have to know that no one's gonna do this for you. You have to find a way to get this rest for yourself. You have to find a rhythm to work your life out to get the rest that Jesus tells us that we ought to have in our lives. Mark chapter 6, 31 says, then, because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. You ever have a day like that? You get to three o'clock. He said, I haven't eaten nothing today. I've been so busy. And he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So the disciples, they didn't even have a chance to eat. So they had to pull away with Jesus and go find a place to get it for themselves. You have to, cho- you have to choose it for yourself. No one's going to choose it for you. I'll give you one last example here. Mark chapter 6, 46. Jesus just feeds 5,000 people. And after leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. Maybe that's how you feel today. Yesterday was Christmas. You feel like you just fed 5,000 people and it's time to get away. Don't be discouraged if you're tired. Even Jesus could get burnt out. But you have to choose rest or I promise you burnout will choose you. Either way, you're going to have to stop. I prefer to choose it for myself and not have it forced upon me. You know, being fully human, Jesus knew he needed time to rest. And after all these major events in Jesus's life, he always took time to withdraw and to recharge. Can I just encourage you to make rest a priority in your life? And that we can actually find a rhythm of rest. Because often we just... What happens is we feel ourselves getting so tired that it's like, it's time to take a break. And by then it's too late. We actually have to find a rhythm to work rest into our lives. The beautiful thing is, God gives us a rhythm for rest in our lives. I wanna read from you Genesis chapter two. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of all the creating he had done. Is this the rhythm in your life? Is God's rhythm your rhythm? Or does something like this sound familiar to you? Work, 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 work. work. Vacation. Finally, vacation. Work, 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 Okay, okay. Vacation. Vacation. Work, okay. work, 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 work. Okay, okay, a little Saturday here, there to breathe for a second. I don't know about you, but that's often how my life feels. And this is why God modeled for us a Sabbath. He gave us this model of a Sabbath, a rhythm that we can work into our lives. The rhythm of a Sabbath. It goes. Your life can go work, Sabbath, work, Sabbath, work, Sabbath. And instead of working for rest, you end up working from rest. You know, all work is good, but it needs the boundaries of a Sabbath. And you might be saying to me today, whenever you're watching this, Joel, Sabbath is weird. Sabbath is Old Testament And Sabbath is no longer necessary. Don't be religious with me today. Jesus came. He threw away all the Old Testament laws. And he, uh, you know, he just gave us a new life that we can do whatever in. Well, like, yes, Jesus did throw away all of the stuff, a lot of the laws that are in the Old Testament. But he repeated some of those things. And when Jesus repeats things that are in the Old Testament that tells, that tells us that those things are not canceled, they're actually good for our lives as well. So Luke chapter six, verse five, um, some people are being a little bit religious with Jesus about the Sabbath and he confronts them. He says to them, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying Jesus has authority over the Sabbath. He doesn't cancel the Sabbath altogether. He says, I have authority over it. So the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a gift for you to enjoy. It was a rule and they would make all kinds of weird rules about it back then. But Jesus is saying, I'm canceling those rules. And now Sabbath is no longer a rule. It's a gift for you to enjoy. Sabbath is a planned, intentional time to recharge not a lazy excuse to sit around and do nothing. The type of Sabbath that Jesus was canceling was a man-made Sabbath Sabbath rule. So they would add all these weird rules to it. Like they would add rules like, you could only walk a certain distance on the Sabbath. And these people are walking everywhere. But they're saying, no, it's too much work to to walk. We're gonna put in rules for you. So you're gonna be stuck in a little area. And, And people still do this today. They'll, they'll add little weird religious rules that aren't in the Bible um, to Christianity that just aren't right. And so we got to look for those things and look to the Bible to teach us how to live our lives and, and how to build structure for our lives. And sometimes people even use Sabbath as an excuse just to be lazy. I'm doing nothing today. It's Sunday. You know, leave me alone. Whether or not Sunday is recognized as a Christian Sabbath God's instructions require us to reserve uh, to observe, sorry, a regular weekly break from work. You know, I for a long time didn't have this built into my life. And so what would happen was I would allow work to slip into every aspect of my life. And so it it, it was there all weekend long. I would, you know, stuff would need to be done. I would come in sometimes on Saturdays. I would work extra time on Sundays. I'd work at two, three nights a week. And what would happen was I, when I would finally get time for a vacation, I would just shut everything off, including my relationship with God. And so instead of vacationing and resting, um, making me feel closer to God, it actually pushed me away from God because God became part of my work. And so vacation became a break from God. And this is why we have to separate our being with God from our doing for God. Being with God must be separated from our doing for God. So we have certain things that we do for God, right? Where there's, there's times where we're like, okay, I'm serving at church. I'm doing something for God right now. Or, you know, I'm going to go serve at, I'm going to go serve a neighbor or something like that. That's something that I'm doing for God. But then we have times when we're being with God. And it's so important to have these times of intimacy. And those must be separated from our doing for God. So what happens is on my Sabbath, my focus is being a disciple, not a leader. I can lead the other six days of the week. And obviously we're always leaders in some aspect. You might be saying today, oh, Joel, I'm not a leader. I don't have to worry about that. I, I promise you, you explain your life to me, I will point out to you areas where you are a leader. Everybody is a leader. And you know what? Just by the fact that you call yourself a Christian, you are a leader. And we're gonna lead this world into so many better things together. I promise you that. But Christians, we're all leaders. And so on Sabbath, we take a time to rest from all the leadership responsibilities and we become disciples. And we're always disciples. But on Sabbath, we're extra intentional about this. Leading is doing work for God. Discipleship is being with God. I'll explain it this way. I spent 15 years on the worship team at our church. I loved it. But my closest times to God, my times of the most intimacy, times where I would hear from him, were not actually on stage. Sometimes those times would come together. While I was doing something for God, I would also have a moment of being with God. But for the most part, being on stage was doing for God. But being off stage was the intimacy being with God. As we sort of begin to wrap up this idea, can I give you four characteristics of a Sabbath that will help you to sort of define what a Sabbath can look like for your life? Four characteristics of a Sabbath. Number one, stop. Stop all work, paid or unpaid. If it feels like work, don't do it. If your social media is connected to your work, get off it. Set boundaries in place to ensure that you fully stop on your Sabbath. What kind of boundaries do you have in place for your phone? Many of us don't have healthy boundaries with our phone. Our phone is allowed to distract us at all times. It's always in our pocket, pulling us away from beautiful moments in our lives. You know, recently I had such a great friend over. I just cherish this person, cherish, cherish this person so much. I had him and his family over to our house and I was so excited to uh, to see him. I hadn't seen him in... Uh, about two or three months and I was just pumped about this lunch we were going to have with this family um, but what I noticed uh, I didn't even actually notice it it just started happening as I was getting non-urgent text messages and because I wasn't intentional about shutting my phone off when they got there I was so busy that I just started answering these text messages that could totally wait until after he had left. And at one point in the middle of lunch, I realized I was doing this and was like, oh my gosh, I've been texting the whole time this person has been here. I grabbed my phone, I put it face down, out of reach, and just decided in that moment, I ain't touching you until they leave my house. You just sometimes have to intentionally stop. So Sabbath, stop. Next thing you gotta do on a Sabbath is rest. What is restful to you? You know what's worked to some is restful to others. This is why we don't have to be religious and add all these rules to the Sabbath is that we just have to do what's restful to us. So hobbies, sports, hiking, baking, walks, naps, going on dates, playing. For me, I love when I have the opportunity in the summer, I love mowing the lawn. For some people, this is work. They would never touch that on their Sabbath. For me, I love being surrounded by nature. I love the smell of the lawn being cut. I love putting my New Balance shoes on, getting my sunglasses on, getting out there and mowing my lawn. It's restful to me. I enjoy it. It kind of takes me away from everything else that's happening in life. And I just get out there. And I I don't know, when I'm surrounded by nature, I just feel at peace and I, I just feel restful. And so I mow the lawn on my Sabbath. That's okay. You know, that's why we don't make rules about it. You do what's restful to you. And Paul tells us in Hebrews chapter four, it's such a great word from Paul. He says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, he's telling the Hebrews, Hey, the, 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 there's a promise there that we have to enter his rest. And let us be careful that none of you have fallen short of it. Don't fall short of entering the rest that God's trying to give you. Later on in the verse, uh, he says in, in 9 through 11, he says, therefore remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rests from their works, just as God did, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. He says, make every effort you can. Let's get into this rest so that no one will perish. wow. What strong language Paul uses here by following the example of disobedience. He's actually saying, if you don't rest, you're being disobedient. The important thing is that we do what's restful to us. It's not up to someone else to decide. Do what's restful to you. So stop, rest, and then delight. Delight. What I've found is that if you don't take moments to take delight in all that God has given you, you start to de- develop a spirit of ungratefulness. If your kids, it's all about disciplining your kids, or you know, if it's if it's all about how stressful uh, work is, you don't actually take time to delight in those things. Man, you start to really develop a spirit of ungratefulness. Even taking time to develop uh, to to delight in your country, where you live. Uh, Yesterday we were at a, a Christmas concert and, and the, the conductor was from Cuba and she just started talking about how grateful she was for Canada. And I, I was like, yes, lady, like you are getting me in the Christmas spirit. Just talking about, she's talking about how before coming here, the, the worst she had experienced was minus five and she thought that was cold and how cold it is here, but she wasn't complaining about it. She was talking about how even though it's freezing cold here, somehow it still feels warm by the people and and so just taking delight in our our country, you know, for every moment we complain about the cold, somebody else is complaining about the heat and the geckos and the bugs and the whatever the snakes that they have in their you know hot areas. So take time to de- to delight in in your country. I had a friend move here recently um, from uh, Vancouver, and one of the first things he pointed out, he always talked about how. It's so sunny in Edmonton. There's always so much sun, and he helped me. This this guy really helped me to appreciate Edmonton so much. What a great place to live! He said, "Just oh, it's so sunny here. It's it's you need people like that that help you delight. You know, whatever it is, it's if it's delighting in people." if it's delighting in places, if it's delighting in things, if it's delighting in donuts, uh, delighting in the Italian center, you know, going there getting that sandwich with that nice spicy meat and sauce on it. Oh, delighting in a, a body of water, delighting in wonderful coffee or, or tea or, or whatever it is. Lately, um, as we've found more rest in our lives, I've started cooking a little bit more. And I, we've been cooking this, I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people, who hates tomatoes. You give me a tomato on something, I pick it out. We go to Olive Garden, I pick around the the tomatoes in the salad. I hate tomatoes. I won't let these weird things touch my mouth. I'm just like a tomato hater, couldn't stand them. But lately, my wife has been buying these baby heirloom tomatoes. And on our time off, uh, you know, because we're slowed down, we have less to do on that time off, I just started cooking these tomatoes and I made this thing called melted baby tomatoes. Oh, even the name is beautiful, melted baby tomatoes. And you pop those things in your mouth and it's like the whole world slows down as you take in this beautiful, Beautiful melted baby tomato. You know, I often used to think, God, why would you make these disgusting tomatoes? You know, are they just for ketchup? Is that why they're here, God? But now, just trying something new, I'm delighting in what God has made. It's beautiful if you slow down and start to enjoy and delight in all God's given us. You know, sometimes in the winter, it can be a long season of not seeing green. You know, I'm not talking about money. (laughs) I'm talking about, you know, outside and, you know, just seeing the beautiful, lush, green, everything that we have in summer. So what we'll do is we'll go to the greenhouse and we'll go just take some time, walk around the greenhouse and delight in those plants. You, You might need to be intentional about exactly what you do on those days to make sure you have moments where you delight. You might even have to be intentional about who is in your life on those days. But I would say on a Sabbath, make sure you take time to delight, You know, Hebrews chapter 13, 15 to 16 says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. I love that Paul used those words, a sacrifice of praise. It might not always naturally come, but take time to really sacrifice and say, God, I'm gonna praise, I'm gonna delight in you. The fruit of the lips openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others for such sacrifices. God is pleased. So stop, rest, delight, and then contemplate. Contemplate. We're not taking time off from God. We're drawing closer to him. We contemplate. We focus on God's love. The word contemplate, the definition of it is to look thoughtfully at for a long time. I love that that we stop and we thoughtfully take something in. Wow, we contemplate for a long time. I love it. Sabbath is a form of resistance. In a world that is constantly trying to pull our attention in a thousand different directions, you have to take a, a moment to resist and say, I'm not going to get into all these different you know, ads pulling me in different directions and people all want my attention. I'm going to sit and I'm going to actually contemplate, slow down. The thing about Sabbath is you have to experience it to prioritize it. So there's maybe a lot of cynical people on the outside looking in saying, why would they preach on this today? Or or maybe you're buying into this too. You're like, I like this idea. I I like what you're talking about, but I I just don't think it's gonna fit for me. Trust me, once you experience it, you'll begin to wanna prioritize it. It's a gift. And when you get that gift, you'll desire it more. You have to start with one desire of saying, okay, I'm gonna try this one time. Once you have that gift, you'll start to desire it. And actually, when you get into the rhythm of it, you love it more and more. Sabbath is a time to taste and see that the Lord is good. Sabbath is about uh, participating in activities that nurture peace and worship and relationships and celebration and thankfulness. The purpose of Sabbath is to clear away distractions so that we can experience God's grace in a new way. You know, Sunday's a great day for Sabbath because. As a church, we can start it off right for you. We can set the tone in church. And then if you, if you feel like it, you can just stay out of the house. <laughs> you know, if you feel like you need to keep this, this mode going and you need to stay away from your house and work, go out and go from here and, and go do something that helps you enjoy the day more, whatever you need to do. But Sunday can help you in your Sabbath by starting your day off right. I love this quote by St. Augustine. He says, you have made yourself, you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until we rest in you. Have you ever felt like that? You feel restless. But when you find a real rest in God, man, we can find real rest that way. When we we rest in Him. This is my promise to you, is that Sabbath will not ruin your life. You're thinking, I have so much to do. How can I stop? I, I, it's not possible. It will not ruin your life. Here's what it's going to do. It's going to make all other six days actually way better. We actually have to believe that what God has for us is enough and that withdrawing is actually healthy. That whatever it looks like for you in your life, and when you withdraw, it is a healthy thing. You know, I write, a, I have the, Beautiful privilege of writing a lot of sermons, and a ton of the time is spent at a coffee shop or in my office where I'm focused. I'm reading different commentaries, I'm reading different books, I'm reading my Bible, obviously, I'm reading sometimes articles, whatever. I'm I'm reading these things and I'm working and I'm working away on this message, and it's it's a bit of a grind trying to get it right, and you know. Uh, I, I don't know how much of these messages people remember. I know that a lot of, a lot of it we just forget over time. Uh, but the, the things that people come up to me the most on is stuff that like when people come and, and they text me and they encourage me and they say, this was like game changer for me. When you said that, you know, I applied it this way or, or when you said that, it really made me feel like it made me come alive or I wrote this down. And it was the background on my phone for a while, whatever. Uh, the the times when that often happens is is times when I got those things that they said. I got those words that they said. I got the, the those things wherever I, I, I didn't actually get, those lines or those concepts or the ideas, I often didn't get them when I was sitting there grinding away at the coffee shop or at my desk or whatever. I often got those lines or those, um, I don't know what the word is, uh, but when when is I got those things when I was actually quiet and at rest and over the weekend. That I was done my message on Thursday, but I added some stuff because I, I sat there and I, I just let God speak to me. And what, I was, what I'm finding is that I'm, I'm so busy at these coffee shops that sometimes I, I'm not actually hearing what God really wants me to say. When I, I hear from him the most is when I rest, when I stop, when I slow down, when I'm quiet. That's when God has the opportunity to speak to me the loudest. So if you're going through a dry season, I'd encourage you, prioritize Sabbath. I wanna read from you Um, Eugene Peterson's version of the the verse that we started with the whole message with uh, Matthew chapter 11. I love the way Eugene um, describes or, or, or phrases this. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? The rules that people add to our relationship with God. Come to me, get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, God didn't give you life just to burn you out. Get into the rhythm of rest for your life. The holidays are a great time because we get out of our normal rhythm and that's when we can start a new rhythm. You know, we, I think about the, the word rhythm and the idea of a, of a rhythm. You know, songs have rhythms and our lives have rhythms. And you know when you you know a song or you think you know a song, but you, you know the chorus of it. You know the best part, the chorus, the, the little gem. You know, you're kinda of mumbling through the verse. And then I don't wanna close my eyes. I don't wanna fall asleep because I miss you, baby. And I don't wanna miss a thing. It's even when I dream of you. You know, you know those parts, right? You you know the chorus, it's beautiful. And then the rest of it, you kind of mumble. I don't want to close. You know the chorus. You love that part. I'm I just encouraging you today that if you would take time to get into the rhythm of rest, that Sabbath will be the chorus for your life. Sabbath will be the time where you, you remember, where you slow down, where everything comes alive and it, it goes deep into your brain. And it's sometimes it feels like we're going through our whole lives mumbling through the verse of a song, yet we never get to the chorus. Start the rhythm of a Sabbath. Start the rhythm of rest. Trust God with this time. And it's actually almost like a tithe of your time. You know, we tithe our money and we trust God with the other 90% of it. And that's how Sabbath could work. That if you trust God with this one day, believe that he could do so much more with the other six. You know, as we close this sermon today, I felt like God put on my heart to specifically talk to fathers of young children. That's what I am. I'm a father of young children. And I just felt that all over this, that God said, stop for a second. And obviously this message is for everyone, but stop and talk to fathers of young children. Dads, your kids will notice a deficit of time with you way more than they will notice a deficit of money. And sometimes we get so focused on making sure we take care of our families on the money and the quality of life side of things when all they really want from us is our time. We can be so set on ensuring our families have a certain quality of life and that we drive certain cars and we live in certain neighborhoods when what they really need from us is for us to be there and present with them. And so maybe you might need to make some adjustments in order to make that happen. I just wanna promise you that when you do that, the payoff will be massive. Can I pray for you? God, thank you so much for this wonderful life you've given us. Thank you for our families. Thank you for our friends. God, thank you for people who have such wonderful friends that we get to Sabbath with. God, just, I, I just thank you for this country. Thank you for everything you've given us. God, would you bless it? And, and would you encourage us that what the work you've done in our hearts today, God, would you seal it now? I just pray that that would be sealed in our hearts and that we would just continually run after you in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.